Hello, fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mulkel, here with my adventurous co-hosts. I'm Chelsea Hollowell, a dreamer shifting uncomfortably in my sleep, and as I do, <laughs> the darkest timeline comes to pass in reality. <laughs> That sounds about right. Uh oh. All right, follow that up, Jack. I'm Jack Olander, uh, a spirally line that goes up a little bit and then down. All of these things track. Like a wavelength, huh? Yeah, that, kinda. Well, guys, two weeks ago, we did something special for our one-year Swords and Satire anniversary. We cast the Fantasy Avengers from a list of movies that we watched during the first year of our podcast. And we promised the fans, and we are going to follow through with that promise, that this week we would write the movie of... The Fantasy Avengers that we created. It's our special rewriting history episode. That's right. We are going to rewrite a brand new movie starring all of the characters that we elected two weeks ago. And we're going to talk about what that movie would look like. But first, why don't we do a quick recap of who the Fantasy Avengers were? And who they'll be fighting against. And who they'll be fighting against. So we looked over the movies that we watched for the first year of Swords and Satire, and we each picked characters to be nominated into kind of roles or like archetypes for different fantasy movies. And we created a fantasy team up and a villain and hench person for the fantasy team to battle. And just to recap... Because I'm sure I know you all have listened to the first episode and are intimately familiar. But just so you know who we're talking about here, we picked four fantasy archetype roles based off of familiar tropes from fantasy movies. And then the characters who would fit each of those roles by having a discussion where we each presented our case for why a certain character was the best fit for that role. And then we all kind of workshop together and finally came to a consensus based on a vote between the three of us. The first role that we filled was the body, the strongest, best fighter of the team. And for the body, we selected Hercules from The Legend of Hercules 3D. Uh, the second role that we picked a uh, character for was the spirit. This is the typical rogue, somebody with all the skills. And we picked Willow from Willow. That's right. <laughs> the next role was the mind. The solver of riddles and the wielder of the arcane arts. Merrick from the Kickstarter film Mystica. Mythica. Mythica. Yes. And the last hero to round out the team was the heart, the leader, and the moral center of the team. And we picked Valerian from the movie Dragon Slayer. All right. And on the villainous side of things or antagonists team evil yes 
we had for the hench person, that is the right hand man of the big bad or woman. We did go with a male person though. We we picked Perseus from the Clash of the Titans, an unlikely hench person, but if you listen back to our episode, you'll understand why. And the villain, the figure ahead of all that is evil, Darkness from the movie Legend. Yes. We also decided to fill out our team of heroes with a Nick Fury type, a organizer who brings the team together at the beginning of the movie and kind of acts as their guide throughout the film. And for that role, we picked Nicolas Cage himself, Balthazar Blake from The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes, that's right. And now that you know who all the cast members are, why don't we start creating our film, Fantasy Avengers? (laughs) So, guys, we already have standalone movies for each of the characters that we've cast for the Fantasy Avengers. But as a special feature, I think what happens is at the end of each of the movies, Dragon Slayer, Willow, Legend of Hercules, and Mythica, we have to add a scene where those characters meet Balthazar Blake. And that works really well because Blake has the ability to travel through time and reality to go to different places. Yeah. So at the end of every one of those movies, just imagine that Nicolas Cage shows up in his sweet wizard costume and says, hey there, I'm Balthazar Blake, and I'd like to recruit you for the Swords and Satire Initiative. <laughs> Man, nice. But I guess I guess we can't really call it that. So what's the name of the group that we're going to like put together here? Oh, well, it has the to be... The Revengers. A... Well, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you meant the organization, so it would have to be an acronym for something. Like Fart. S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? The Federal Acronym Review Team. <laughs> I haven't had time to think about this, but... No, nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have to do anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, j- let's just imagine that at the end of every movie, Balthazar Blake shows up to introduce himself and say, I've got a t- mission for you that has ramification throughout all reality, and I need you to help me fight darkness. So in... <laughs> so with... Balthazar, he's from the Sorcerer's Apprentice. In that movie, he was searching for the Prime Merlinian. (laughs) So in this... The greatest wizard of all time. In this, he could be searching for the the Grand Merlinians, the the epic team. (laughs) No, I don't like that. (laughs) Why is this? Maybe he's like, what if he's like searching for like the people throughout time who best embody these values that he that he finds and we can find a way to work in like body, mind, heart and spirit. The whimsy wonders. (laughs) Like, you know, he goes up to Willow. He's like, you are the most brave adventurer of your era. And that's why I need you. And he goes up to Hercules. He's like. You were the most Chad hero of your time, and that's why I need you to be part of my team. And he goes up to uh, Merrick at the end of Mythica and says, You already know what it's like to have darkness within you. We need you on our team. Oh, that's so good. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Oh, that's so powerful. 
Is is my Nicolas Cage too much Owen Wilson, or is it the right amount Owen Wilson? I love the... <laughs> wow, you got what it takes, kid. Wow. I think it's a great combination. Nice. Well, so Jack, do you... The only one left that we haven't said anything for is Valerian at the end of Dragon Slayer. What oh, dude, think? that's the one I remember the least. Oh. Oh, my God. Well, say, say one for Hercules. So, uh, yeah. He could appear to Hercules at the end of the film and say... I saw when you unlocked your magic potential. We're going to need your brawn and your power to help stop this new menace. Nice. nice. An old menace returned. And he'll have to say something about like, <laughs> and I need to tell you that this is going to be the most difficult of all for you because you'll be going up against your brother. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh. Oh, well, yeah, well hold on. My... That, that opens up a question. Does Balthazar Blake know that Perseus has been turned to the dark side yet? Or is that going to be something that we introduce in the movie? Oh, like he's... Oh, they uh... run into each other. That'd be insane. I, I kind of thought it'd be cool to have, like, scenes at the beginning of the movie where darkness is, like, coming to Perseus and, like, recruiting him to his side. Okay, that'd be cool. That was just what I thought. All right. Mm-hmm. And he also has to come up to Valerian at the end of Dragon Slayer, and he'll say something about, um, I've seen what you did to take down that dragon. You are the true hero of your... your this, of your movie. <laughs> you need to come join us on our team. We need you. I love it. That's so great. We need your ability to rally people together to a, a particular cause oh so good perfect maybe he even goes to her for or them i should say them first and um they help him recruit the other members of the team oh perfect yes i love that but that's be, great but before we talk about the recruitment of the team or the bringing together of the team after the recruitment i think we should really start at the very beginning of our movie and that's with darkness returning from the depths and the pits that he was sent to at the end of Legend. Because he's like shot in the space, right? Yeah. So, and he lives on in the hearts of men. So there has to be one person who desires something so much that they call out to him and bring him back. Oh, this is perfect. This, is, this gives me big, like, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night vibes, where they, like, you know, humans bring back Dracula to gain power for themselves. And, yeah, well, so I mean, what is a man, after all? A miserable little pile of secrets is the answer. Yes. It could start deep in the castle that Darkness lived in, right? In the room with the portal to space, there's treasures all over the place. And tomb raiders who are going through his castle are trying to split up the treasure. And one of them betrays the others and starts killing them and uh, performing these evil acts in the castle of darkness, which starts to kind of summon him back, call him back from the void, right? Oh, it's nice. almost like a blood sacrifice. Exactly. You know, wait, you've got yes. such a great idea because that room where he has his uh, space portal is his ritual room, too. 
Yeah, no, exactly. nice. Do we want to pull somebody from one of our swords and satire movies to fill this role, or are they just going to be like generic Tomb Raiders? No. So what I thought would be really cool, and we can mix this with Jack's idea, is it's Perseus there with his group, with his team. So he's already found a way to transcend time and space at this point, then. Maybe. Or... Darkness's castle is kind of like the Dark Tower, and it just Ooh. exists in every reality. Okay, okay. So, yeah. I mean, Perseus, like he is wont to do, is leading a group of other adventurers to their deaths, like not intentionally, but that's how Perseus does in Clash of the Titans, where everybody who follows him ends up dead. Yeah, Jack, so maybe like... They're fighting off some of the minions and the goblins that were still alive after Darkness died. Exactly. And the slaughter of those creatures is kind of what calls him back. Right. Can they be like a combination of like the Henson-esque uh, monsters from Legend and the Ray Harryhausen stop-motion animation monsters of Clash of the Titans? Yes, perfect. And during this battle... We get these clips from Perseus's perspective, Jack, of darkness speaking to him in his ear, telling him to betray his friends. And that's when he does that. Mm -hmm. So what is he going to offer Perseus that is like, because at first I think Perseus was the hero of his movie. Like, I think he should be resisting it a bit. Like, no, no, I can't. I'm not going to do it. Like, while they're fighting these monsters, he's like, I'm not going to betray my party. I'm not going to do that. Well, I think just the slaughter of the minions could be enough and perseus's main goal was to call darkness forward because he's a servant of the gods and darkness is sort of a deity himself right hmm. so his goal is actually to bring darkness back to fulfill a favor and he's hired on this party and he's like you can take all the riches you want but you have to clear out those minions in order to bring darkness back right and so the just sudden slaughter of the goblins could just be enough of a cruel act to bring darkness back. Maybe, but I feel like darkness is such a creature of temptation. He's a real Satan slash Loki type. Right. Like, I like the True. idea of him, like, whispering into Perseus's ear and Perseus not wanting to do it, not wanting to do it until he offers something that Perseus just cannot uh, turn down. And maybe it's the chance to become the favorite son in the eyes of Zeus. Yeah, or to become as powerful as his father. Because he is, like Jack said, he's the servant of the gods, so maybe he's tired of that role. Oh, it's true. Maybe he has, like, a helmet given to him by Athena, right? That blocks, like, mind control or something like that. You know, it keeps his mind focused, but then he hears the whispers coming from the portal to the void. Like, Cast aside your helm, and I will make you stronger than ever before. All you need is to take it off, and to give your friends to me. And you can have the world, right? Yeah. And then nice. Perseus is like, ah, oh, yeah, who needs a helmet, right? <laughs> <laughs> he takes it off, and then he cuts them all down, like he cut down Medusa, right? Yeah. And he cut down Calibus, right? Yeah. Brutally and efficiently. Yes. And then darkness, like in the mirror scene in Legend, you see his hand kind of just reach out from the void yes. and pull himself back in. Yes. Oh, 
and then good. he like could he could provide like a new cape of dark of like shadow like because the oh, gods yeah. all give perseus magical items so he could give his own cloak of darkness the same way he made that black dress in legend yes i oh, love it the this, goth perseus and this cloak yes. allows him to travel between the worlds so does it give perseus a black yes. toga yeah yeah oh that's sick oh yes the black toga <laughs> so good that's so good. And he like touches like the brooch that he uses to keep it pinned up. It has like the symbol of darkness, like the horns or something. Oh, nice. nice. He touches it and it teleports him between worlds. I think he oh, should sweet. have like a partial mask on his face too. Oh yeah. yeah. Like he's trying to hide his identity early yeah. on. Yeah. I like that. Kind of like a horned mask, like yeah. almost like a domino mask with the, like the one with the horns on it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm imagining it's kind of like an old Greek helmet as well. Oh, I would love cool, it yeah. to look a little bit skull-like, too. I think that would oh, be Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it came from darkness, to be sure. So I, th I actually think what darkness should do is give Perseus gifts that mirror the ones he received in the movie, but, you know, evil. Oh, so the, yeah, the helmet, bad. the helmet. The helmet. Maybe instead of a cloak, it's like a helm of shadow, a black blade, and like a shield that light cannot touch. And the helmet, instead of um, keeping his mind from being manipulated, it allows him to manipulate others' minds. Oh, perfect. Yes. Oh, that's insane. Just like when he's using the shield that blocks light, he's just like a sun of shadow instead like it just emits shadows and darkness and he just looks like this ball of like devoid of light and instead of like the blade being strong enough to cut through everything it's a blade that creates wounds that can't really be healed normally oh nice like a like oh. a witch blade from yeah, uh, kind the lord of. of the rings yeah i was thinking of that can't help it we just watched it last week <laughs> <laughs> so we have to bring in perseus's uh sidekick of course boobo we need like the evil steampunk boobo yeah. To go along, you know, the mechanical owl to like join him and be his eyes and ears oh, yeah. throughout the, the realms. So in this in this way, he's not an owl. He'll be a raven. Oh, yeah, really absolutely. Cool. A black raven. He like So, yeah, darkness like reaches out his red, you know, devil hand and like shoots a ray of darkness at boobo and boobo starts to like painfully transform and and twist into this black beard nice beard <laughs> you know i wouldn't mind a scene where the gods of olympus are kind of debating whether or not they should allow their boons to be manipulated by darkness for perseus and seeing zeus just be like it's all good you know darkness is a god and perseus is our follower so let him do it, and then Hephaestus, they kind of relinquish their gifts to Perseus and allow them to be manipulated by darkness, because darkness is a co-worker, you know? <laughs> he may be evil, but they don't care, really. Yeah, I mean, they work but, with, like, uh, you know, the whoever the evil Greek gods were. <laughs> this is also something of an underworld, and in, in most mythologies, the god or goddess of the underworld hold sway over their realm and other the other gods don't have as much power there typically yeah. so if we're gonna go along with that tradition i think that 
maybe the gods don't have full power to do anything about it. Yeah, they can't enter yeah. darkness's realm. What do you guys think about that? I like that. I like that. They just kind of have to resign that they are powerless in the situation. Right. And uh, there could even be like a good scene at some point of darkness, like up in Olympus, just like gloating a little bit like, hey, guys. I notice you've been watching my champion. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. so maybe we'll have some scenes where Hercules and Zeus have to like kind of hash it out. Too. Yeah, totally. I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, this would make it so that Zeus would kind of side with uh, of Hercules. Yeah, maybe Hercules is reluctant. Like we've seen Balthazar Blake show up to Hercules, but maybe like we find out in the beginning of this movie that Hercules has actually been kind of reluctant about it, and it's Perseus going over to the dark side that finally pushes him over to the edge of, okay, now I know I've got to go and join up with this team and fight. Yeah, yeah, like the first time Balthazar appears to him, maybe yeah. he's the first one Balthazar visits. Right. And he's like, Sorry, I have a life here. I have to be king, and I just made this linen and stick house for my wife and I. Right? I, I have to take care of my babe. Yeah, exactly. My babe. Flexes his pecs. <laughs> just to punctuate the point, right? Yeah. And then Balthazar is like, you're a fool, right? Yeah. And leaves. Because, you know, he's got a temper, right? Yeah. But then kind eventually... When Perseus is kind of revealed, Balthazar comes back. He's like, "Look, it's your brother," and he's and Hercules is like, "Oh, I gotta, gotta smack some sense into him." Right. And maybe Zeus has already. Maybe Zeus comes to him with a clincher too. I don't know. Yeah, that could be really good. I think it's just. I think Hercules is the type of guy. Like, I don't think he needs an external motivation. Like any kind of treasure or anything other than like glory basically right like he's the kind of guy who's like he wants to help out yeah he doesn't see how the threat of like what balthazar is saying at the beginning kind of makes sense to him because it's it's like beyond it's not something that he cares about it's not like part of his world but when it comes to family when it's perseus then he sees why he's got to take action yeah i'm just imagining balthazar's like it's your brother, Hercules. You gotta stop him. He's like, oh, oh, maybe I should, but I don't know. He's like, do it. Okay. <laughs> Let me talk to my dad first and, like, see what he thinks. Like, run it by him. I just want to make sure my dad isn't going to get mad at me. <laughs> I'll have someone channel dad. Well, so we, we've covered, like, the darkness and Perseus introduction. We've got an idea about Hercules. I, I like this idea that not all of our fantasy avengers are just like instantly on board yeah like i i like how balthazar has to kind of tempt them or kind of not tempt them but sway them so hercules it's like this external oh, i'm sorry with hercules it's like this family thing yeah. it's his motivation at first he's reluctant i think valerian like sees immediately the good that can be done and when blake comes to her and says, like, you can unite people and defend the innocent, that's probably enough for Valerian, because that's what she's all about. She's kind of like our Captain America. Yeah, and darkness is a threat, right? He's a god, he's a threat to all universes, right? And she, st or they, stood up to seemingly impossible odds against evil creatures already, the dragon, right? 
So this is just, you know, doing it again, but for more people. You know, the stakes are higher, so they have to rise above. And they really put their heart into gathering this team. And I think someone who'd be really inspired by Valerian would be uh, Willow right off the bat. Someone yeah. else who's really dedicated to doing good and doesn't need a lot of motivation for it other than when the opportunity falls into his lap, he'll go for it. And maybe Balthazar also offers to teach him some more magic. Now, I was, I'm was i glad you brought up Willow. Yes. I, I like this idea, but I want... With Willow, I feel like the Nelwyn are a little bit more like the Hobbits, right? Like, they're not going to jump out to go adventuring. go adventuring. Oh, I mean, Willow, now that's the thing. Willow is different. He is willing to just take on an adventure for the betterment of people. He was reluctant. Yeah, but at the end of the day, he kind of like, it he, didn't take he, a lot of swing. Yeah, he was willing to because he thought he was protecting the innocent in... Princess Alora Dannon. Yeah, but like I was going to say, I think that what should happen is something should happen with the Nelwyn village. And that's what motivates Willow to, to team up. Oh, like the in the first in Willow when the dogs attack. Exactly. Like he needs a call to action that is very personal to him. He want he needs to know that he's protecting his people. So maybe he's considering Blake's offer. And then something happens to kind of push him over the edge. Right. Perseus's henchmen, right? Or his legions that he commands. Maybe like the maybe like the vultures that he fought in Clash of the Titans, right? The big vultures. Yeah. Swoop down and perhaps while they're raiding the village, uh the chieftain, right? The wizard who runs the like the village has some sort of artifact, some sort of magic item that yes. Perseus goes and steals from them. Maybe it's something from the film, like one of Willow's like magical... The wand? Yeah, like like Willow's wand, exactly. A powerful artifact. You guys, this fits in so well because I was... It's like you're reading my mind. I was thinking, what is Darkness's scheme for the movie? And you're hitting on it. You're hitting on my yes. idea... I thought he could be sending Perseus out to all these different realms to steal an art, an important artifact from these realms yes. that would allow darkness to gain hold there because he's trying to come back into the worlds. He's trying to build up his presence again. Perfect. And yeah. I love it. That's so yeah. good. So the that wand from Willow. Yeah. And like maybe like the eye of the dragon or something from Dragon Slayer. Yeah. Yes. So the last person we have to get into the team is Merrick. And I think that now Merrick is one of the interesting ones or one of the most interesting ones to me because she is a spellcaster. Blake can just offer her power. We know that Merrick's a little bit dark side, right? Like she's willing to use her powers kind of for her own benefit. She's, you know, she's that... She's not good so much as she is opportunistic. And I think that the opportunity to learn magic from a new world is going to be enough for her to kind of let Blake take her on maybe as a new, roll credits, Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, like I, I like to think that he's basically like, 
you know, your world is in danger of darkness, right? And she's like, yeah, well, I got darkness in me. So who cares, right? He's like, you should care. I've seen what it's like when darkness takes hold of people who are skilled in the arcane, right? She's like, yeah, right. And she's ready to dismiss it. And he's like, let me show you. And she's too tempted. And he gives her the memories of the Morganians, you know, trying to resurrect all the dead in the world and kind of take over. And the way that they had to rise up to fight them and barely win. And he's like, and this is much worse than that. So we need as many people as we can. Right? Nice. And I'm willing to teach you. And they holds out a magic ring to help her focus her powers. So she can control them a little better than she does in her own film. That's awesome. Yeah. And he'd probably give a ring to Willow also. Yeah. I like that. Um, Wait, which ring did you say he would give to... Merrick? Well, in the Sorcerer's Apprentice, they wear rings to channel their spells. Oh, well, I thought that what would be great is if one of those rings got stolen, and that's what, uh, by Perseus, and that's what inspired Balthazar to start to build this team. Yeah, oh, that's great. that could be because really good. He he's he's like genius level intelligence. So he probably figured out what the scheme is. Yeah, they could have stolen his big book of all the wizard histories and spells. You remember how he has that book that unfolds oh, with all the secrets? Oh, that would be such a terrible thing to have stolen. I love it. Yeah, that's yeah, really good. Like the worst thing, in fact. Didn't Merlin write that himself? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty, pretty bad. That's the thing that had the spell that brings back all the dead people. Oh, oh. And that's what Perseus could use to try to build up an army or darkness with Perseus' yeah. help. Oh my god. This sounds like it's a multi-movie franchise to me. I mean, mm-hmm. we have to have, uh, you know, the Infinity War and the Endgame, I suppose. Yeah. So all these ideas we're sharing, we kind of have to imagine that it's taking place over multiple films. All right, so now we kind of have a good idea about how everybody uh, agrees to team up and join Blake's army. So what's our scene like where they all come together for the first time and meet? Where does Balthazar Blake bring his team to have them all unite? It's got to be Stonehenge, right? Like kind of this epicenter. Yeah, that's That's great. That's so like crazy. maybe maybe like they they uh, like uh, start coming through the different hinges, like as if they're portals, and they all join together as one, and they're in the same space time in like Balthazar's Stonehenge. Right, but like they're not all gonna get along and agree and see eye to eye. We're gonna have some inner group conflicts and stuff. No, but... it can't be Balthazar Stonehenge. It has to be one that still hasn't had an artifact stolen from it, so darkness hasn't taken a hold there yet. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. So we know that, okay, Balthazar's world has already gotten hit. Uh, Willow's world has already gotten hit. So maybe they have to meet 
in the Stonehenge that would be around for Merrick? We could do Dragon Slayer's world. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah. We could. That is kind of like a an England uh uh medieval yeah, England. So there would probably be a Stonehenge there. So okay, so Balthazar brings Valerian to her Stonehenge and then he opens the doorways and like the people come through. Like, we won't explain why they're all just standing in the wings, like, waiting to walk into the portal at the same time. Like, but maybe, like, maybe, like, Merrick comes through right away because she's been waiting for Blake's portal to show up. But, like, Hercules is still, like, you know, getting down with his, uh, with his lady and, like, come through kind of, like, rumpled. <laughs> and, and Willow has to, like, kiss his wife goodbye, so he's not, like, immediate. Yeah, I'm imagining they've all been told to wait at specific places in their world for the portal to open up, right? Because they're the super decorated, famous gates on the city that Hercules comes from. And maybe he's standing there while his all his military and people are waiting to see their king off. And then the archway of the gate turns into the portal, right? And then Balthazar is like, uh, he's just convinced Hercules it's time to go, right? And he's like, it's time, right? And they go through, and then you see all of the heroes go through at once, just kind of like their own portals, and they converge on this open space where Valerian is waiting for them. I like that. I was thinking something similar where it didn't all have to be a Stonehenge. It could be just magical places. Oh, yeah, I didn't think they were all connect. coming. I don't even think Stonehenge exists in some of these worlds. Right. No, I was just saying that, like, that is the place where they all come together because it'll be very yeah, dramatic. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And that's great. Um, <gasps> oh, oh. So the reason they're in Valerian's world is that Balthazar has a reason to believe that that's the one that Perseus is going to next. Nice. Oh, and this is perfect. This sets up the like inciting incident to like kick off the the main and, action. And and he has an idea. Uh, after talking to Valerian about what artifact Perseus might be going after. Very nice. It, it, it was a necklace, right? In Dragon Slayer? Yeah, Jack said it was the dragon's eye. I think, no, I don't no, I remember was, what it was. Hold on. You were going to say something, Jack. Do you want to say what you were going to say? Yes. Uh, in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, when they're in Dave's laboratory, right? Yeah. Balthazar uses magic to turn the large center of the laboratory into an arcane circle. Yes. Right? The Merlinian circle. And the, when he starts casting in Stonehenge, the grass and dirt could kind of clear away. You could see this huge stone courtyard that has that arcane symbol already in it. Nice. It starts glowing with all the different colored fires, like in the sorcerer's apprentice he's like stonehenge was made for this right nice it's where the magical place where the worlds meet that's awesome or like uh yeah yeah and then each of the arcane symbols for the different types of magic line up with each of the gateways oh yeah nice all right so in the world of dragon slayer from the film uh, the main character ha was given this mage's pendant that's this powerful artifact. So that's what Perseus is coming for. He's coming to take the pendant from 
from Galen, the main character. And, you know, we can actually have, like, that scene... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Hold on. Um, so he's... Perseus is coming for this pendant. That's why they meet up in this world and why Balthazar has brought them all at this time and place. And nobody else except for Balthazar and his team really knows about this threat. Right. And no one would believe him anyways. Like... This is, you know, crazy stuff. World traveling and jumping. Everyone's got dragons to deal with and everything. They don't have time to believe in, like, time travel. So we're going to have to, like, build in, like, part heist movie here. Because they're going to maybe have to steal the artifacts themselves to keep them out of Perseus's hands. Well, no, I have I have a different idea. So let's let we'll see which one we we like the most. But okay. that that's good, too. I like that. But I, first I want to talk about group dynamic. We can't just have these all be characters who just get along great. That's not what makes the Avengers interesting. It's the little squabbles and conflicts and personality differences that make the Avengers interesting. Mm -hmm. So who gets along? Who doesn't like each other? Like, what's our group dynamic like? I think that Valerian has such a strong sense of justice and what is right that they would have a big problem with Merrick. Absolutely. And and Merrick's type of spellcasting. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I think Valerian would also be very judgmental about Hercules. I mean, not well, not let me let me rephrase that. Not judgmental. I think Valerian would not trust Hercules to be responsible. It's not that they don't trust that Hercules is good intend intentioned, but like knowing stories about the Greek gods and all of that stuff, Hercules is like an unpredictable wild card to some extent, probably too driven by whim. And like Valerian will see Hercules as somebody who really needs molding. Okay. Like yeah. kind of a mentor role. I could see that. Definitely. I could also see Valerian and Balthazar really getting along with their goals and their ideas of how the world should be but they really get on each other's nerves with the means to achieve those ends because yes. balthazar is a little more medieval than she than they are right yeah valerian has more progressive views balthazar is still a little bit like of his time blast them <laughs> right. And I think I want to have Willow kind of be the peacemaker amongst the group. I was thinking the same thing. I was just thinking, like, he'd be the one that would get along with everybody. But, Definitely. like, and wants everyone to get along. And, like, yeah. that is kind of follows his arc having, like, you know, like, it makes sense. He joins up with Mad Mardigan, who's a total wild card, but who ends up being this great, you know, asset. He sees that the, you know, the the general from uh from Willow, the the female general, like changes sides yeah. and, and joins the heroes. So like Willow knows that people might have bad intentions, but can bring out the best in them. So I think Willow is this character who really wants to see the best in everybody that he's working with. Nice. It's true. I and I think one of the issues that willow had to deal with in his own film was his companions ignoring him at times much to their own detriment exactly and i think he's going to use that to his advantage throughout the movie where people underestimate him mm -hmm. 
he does use it to his advantage. He learns to do that at the end of Willow. Exactly. So it's this perfect yeah. continuation of that character. Yeah. It's true. It could be a tool that he uses really well against their enemies, which is why he's good at being the spirit. But it could be a detriment to characters like Hercules and Balthazar, who are both very capable, but they can kind of easily get caught up with their own assumptions of how things are and how they're going to go. So at times when Willow is maybe trying to warn them about something, because Willow is very clever and perceptive, but uh, they could perhaps dismiss what he's saying because they're so sure of what they think. Right. Right. <clears throat> and then after that, we've got Merrick. And I think Merrick probably sees everyone else as kind of like a tool. Yeah. Maybe she thinks that Hercules is actually going to be an asset because she probably thinks that she can manipulate him and might try to, like, kind of play him throughout the movie. Well, one thing we worked out before is that they would actually get along pretty well. Oh, yeah, I think they get along. I want to maintain that. I like that. They're like two buddies and like just the one buddy is always kind of like, hey, like, I know we got in trouble when we, you know, stole the Slurpee from the 7-Eleven, but like, wasn't it kind of fun too? And that's Merrick and Hercules. Like Merrick's the devil on Hercules' shoulder. Okay. I I would like some point when Merrick would get tempted by the darkness too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this wouldn't even yeah. be, this movie wouldn't even have a point if we didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, I like to think uh that you know, Balthazar is kind of Merrick's mentor in this movie where he's kind of training her uh how to do a few new spells and kind of harness what her natural talents are. And like you said, she's kind of thinking that she can play her teammates to her own advantage, like she does in Mythica, right? They're kind of tools for her to get ahead. But I like to think that she's super nervous when she's doing this because she's seen Balthazar's memories and knows how he's dealt with a ton of evil wizards before. Yeah. Knows that he's super wise to seeing when a caster is spiraling into darkness. Yes, perfect. And perhaps she's resentful of him stopping her when he hasn't even done it yet, right? That seems like Merrick for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like perceived slights are all it takes for her to like inherently start distrusting somebody. Yeah. And at one point, I think it would be great if she was like offered like, you know, I accepted power, right? Perseus, he's like, darkness has made me far stronger than i was before and let me tell you when you don't hold back that's when real strength comes to you and then merrick is thinking over he perseus is like just think it overnight right you have a day to respond yeah and merrick is kind of like going back and being a little touchy a little iffy with the group hot-headed yeah and she she tells balthazar like you know maybe i should accept this power and balthazar's like you know he's actually way less confrontational than she expected because he went through the character growth of his own film right nice and he's just like your path is your own and if you choose that path we'll work against you you'll pick the other side but You know, 
we we can't really do it without you, right? We kind of need you on our side. I I thought I was really strong and I could stop Morgana and do all this on my own, but th my book got stolen from me and we've all had losses because of this. You know, you you have the power to choose which way this is going to go. Nice. And uh I'm going to leave it up to you, right? And then he goes to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I then actually Merrick's just like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah." I love that, and I don't know if this is too early to start talking about, like, the big ending, but, like, I want to work that into, like, the final confrontation. I want Merrick to seemingly take the power of darkness and, like, bring it into herself and, like, join the other side. But the reality is she's already so familiar with the dark magic of her world that she can actually use it against darkness in the end. Nice. Like, she doesn't really turn. She just knows that because everyone doesn't trust her, she can create this convincing illusion that she has joined him, but really she then finds out how to turn the power of darkness against the evil powers. Yeah. Ooh, maybe they could have a discussion about trust earlier in the film. Like, there's some dysfunction happening with the group dynamic right, early on. Right. And Balthazar is like, hey, you, you know, you guys gotta know this is about trust and, you know, saving each other. And he says, like, one key line, something like, you just gotta know when the moment is right or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, or, like, yeah. trust comes down to the right moment. Yeah, right? he, like uh, he says that. And then later in the film, where uh, Merrick has pretended to betray the party, right, mm -hmm. is working for darkness. And she's giving like kind of her speech of betrayal yeah. to the heroes. And she says like very sly, you just got to know the right moment, right? It's yes. kind of like a wink yeah. that, to the party that she's playing darkness not them i love it that's great yeah that is perfect like their secret code word kind of yeah you know? i yeah. really like that and then they kind of suddenly change in the way they look at her but they try to play yeah. it off but we know? still have to get to that moment so i i I, I, I love that i love that but so they're all in the world of dragon slayer right okay like yes. we're, we're, we're still at this point where they're meeting up yeah yeah So they've all met, you know, we can kind of like move through the scenes quickly now because we're not going to like write the whole movie right now. Like that's going to be for our big, like when we've got the offer on the table Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> after this pitch meeting with you, our podcast listeners. So they're in the Dragon Slayer world. They've all been brought together and Balthazar is like, okay, like this is going down right now. Galen, who's uh, from Valerian's world, the, the main character, uh, you know, has this magical pendant and like Perseus is coming to take it from him. So we need to assemble and go protect him. And like, basically the upshoot is they all go, they have this first confrontation with Perseus and the dysfunction of them not knowing each other and not trusting each other leads to them losing. Galen, yeah. Galen dies 
giving like a big epic speech, right? Like a dying moment speech that like gives everybody like their feels. Like yeah. Valerian is really affected because, you know, they were close mm-hmm. and Willow is probably really sad because he just has like this empathy. Hercules, I think, is angry at failing because right. Hercules is so used to just always being the best. And Merrick just is de- like demoralized or not even demoralized. She's just like, OK, you guys are all pathetic. Like if you would let me do what I said, we would, you know, this would be done and over and we'd be going home right now. Yeah. They fail. He dies. And like that sets them kind of in the part where they fracture and go, okay, well, this isn't going to work out. Right. That could be really good, actually. Yeah. Like. So maybe some of them stick together, but some of them are going to fracture for a bit. So, you know, I think that this action probably gets Valerian totally fired up. And that's like a big motivator for them. Like Mm -hmm. now they're ready to like really go all in. Merrick, I think, maybe is going to stick around, but be kind of snarky at everybody. Hercules is going to go off and, like, need to go, like, punch some mountains or something on his own. And Willow is probably, like, questioning whether or not this is going to work out. And thinking maybe he should go back home. Yeah, like, he's like, you know, my wife and kids need me. If the universe is going to come to an end, I want to spend the end of time with them. Right. Like, that feels super Willow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we'll have, like, that middle part of the movie where it's broken up, and then we got to bring everybody back together. Yeah. Uh, And he, like, he doesn't have his wand either. I think a big part of it should be a lot of these magical items were things that they kind of got accustomed to relying on, and now that they've been stolen, at this part of the film, they're kind of realizing, like, oh, Dude, and they see Perseus kind of, like, using a lot of, like, darknessified versions of their own artifacts. On the on the individuals from those worlds. Yeah. Like, he uses Willow's wand on Willow. Yeah, exactly. And so, they're not sure if they have the strength to do this without their kind of, like, ace in the hole that the villains themselves have. But, uh... Yeah, that could be... I would be demoralized. Yeah, absolutely. So then we need a scene where they all come back together to finally overcome Perseus. So what's that going to look like? But we were saying before that Merrick has betrayed them, so how would that work into all this? No, no, that was that. that's like a scheme that she's playing. I know. She makes it look like she betrays them, but actually is so just accepting the power. Happen? Wouldn't that happen around this time? That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yeah, like, they have another confrontation with Perseus somewhere. She seemingly accepts the power of darkness. I mean, darkness... Then she shows that she can control it and uses it to defeat Perseus. I mean, Perseus, uh, like, after that scene where the party is kind of scattered and at their low point, Perseus could kind of feel a sense of victory, and he has the mirror shield, which is, like, you know, a shroud of shadow, but... When he kind of brings it down, it could be a mirror, like in his film, and then darkness comes out of mirrors. Oh, yes. So darkness could kind of be summoned to him when he lays the shield down on the ground, right? I love that. Okay, so I'm thinking that um, at this point, Merrick betrays the party and... Betrays, in quotation marks. Yeah, 
helps Perseus get the magical artifact from her world. And mm. Balthazar finds out about this, gets the team back together. The final confrontation, the last stand, has to be in Hercules' world because it brings the conflict to a crescendo between the two brothers. Oh, nice. I like it. Yes, yeah. that's the perfect place for it to happen. Yeah. And so that's where the final standoff has to be. Maybe even somewhere in the palace. The final standoff with Perseus, but then at the yeah. end, they have to go to Darkness's realm for right. like the final, final standoff. Sure. But yeah, I like that. Going back to the ancient Greek world of Hercules and Perseus, the place where it all began and the place where it all ends for Perseus. Yeah, you could see that like the militaries of Hercules and Perseus have been clashing and like oh, their dude, cities is it like a bunch of Greek well. is it a bunch of Greek soldiers and then the like stilted skeleton knights like in the Ray Harryhausen style like fighting and like super elaborate like computer animated Greek soldiers versus these like jittering <laughs> skeletons Yeah, definitely. And perhaps the fight kind of takes them to the base of Mount Olympus, right? Yes. Where the gods are. Perseus is kind of like maybe on his on his back foot, like on the retreat. He's trying to get up toward Olympus, which is like neutral ground where the party is kind of chasing him back. Yeah. And they're like, they think they're going to finally get him. But then... Perhaps he reaches Olympus and takes kind of like a columned archway, which leads back to Darkness's domain. Because I like to think there's like a Greek style Stonehenge with pillars <laughs> at Olympus, which is just, you know, it's a circle of different archways, which would lead between the worlds. Nice. Okay, nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. And so he runs through one which takes him back to Darkness's realm. And this could be when the party kind of meets Zeus. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, this yeah. is like an opportunity for Zeus to kind of like throw in his lot with Hercules. Exactly. Maybe give them some gifts to help them in their fight. Exactly. Just like Perseus, right? Yeah. Because he got all the gifts. And the gods can be like, you know what? Her, uh, Perseus said, forget us. Well, forget Perseus. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, Hercules, you've been a real pal to the gods. And in fact, all your friends have been as well. And, or maybe they're like, you know, Hercules, you have divine blood of Zeus, and we're going to give you a bunch of items like Perseus. And I would like a scene where Hercules is like, you know, I didn't do this on my own. Yeah. I had my friends. I think instead of just giving them all to me, we should each have items that, you know, work to our strengths. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I figured Hercules would just get back his Blades of Chaos ripoff from the first movie. <laughs> the lightning the, wiggles? The, the lightning wigglies, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the pool noodles. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Willow should yeah. get something that is innocuous seeming but powerful maybe during the final standoff with perseus just before they go to olympus is when merrick tells them the line that lets them know that she's working with them and that's how they are able to win the fight because she helps them and so she's there with them at mount olympus getting a gift too 
Ooh, yes. You're so at this point, Perseus has fled back to darkness, right? And they're all with the Greek gods. Yeah. Zeus had that table that was kind of like a diorama of like a Greek like Colosseum, essentially. Yeah, right? in Clash of the Titans, he has like the table that changes like depending on what part of the world he's observing and he can like manipulate things from there. Yes, that's when we have him going over the heist plan. They're talking over it, like over the model table. Yes. Zeus is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I, I, like, I feel, that's not your normal voice. <laughs> I feel like by cutting uh, Arthur out of our movie, we can't really have the, the montage heist. Like that feels like cheating. I don't know. That's how we like keep him alive. <laughs> you know, uh, Zeus could be like, you know, here is the magic weapon of a great warrior that fell long ago. And then you just give fucking Excalibur to no, Balthazar. Oh, we can't wait, do wait. that. <laughs> it actually does work. It does work. Because Balthazar was the apprentice of Merlin. Yep. It, it totally does work. fucking works. All right. Yeah. I hate it, but I guess it works. If it's, And Excalibur. There's no rules that say that uh, Balthazar can't have Excalibur. So. It's true. And think of this. <laughs> In the King Arthur movie, Excalibur was forged from Merlin's staff. Yeah. So it's their co-workers. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Now I was gonna say now somewhere along the line at the beginning, like Balthazar has to like have been pulled away so that he's not actually part of the fights, part of the fights because he's not one of the Avengers. Like he's the Nick Fury. He's planning and in the back, but not in the front lines. So that's not really his style at this point. Right. Well, in the King Arthur movie, even though that's not part of it. Merlin does kind of stand in a tower, and as long as he has his staff kind of plugged into this arcane circle like Balthazar makes, yes. he can kind of channel this, like, gigantic magic, right? So perhaps Balthazar is standing on Olympus in their kind of quote-unquote Stonehenge area where his arcane symbol is. He could stand there with the sword kind of, like keeping the forces of darkness like the like all the henchmen away from where the final fight is going to be yeah he's kind of doing like the global level stuff and and leaving room for the heroes to have their skirmishes against the most powerful members of darkness's army yeah, yeah he'll say something like this is your one chance show the universe like what the justice fellas are all about <laughs> so when they've had their final stand against perseus and merrick has brought him down with the powers of darkness and all of them have come together i think what should happen is you know we see perseus fall and his shield clattered to the ground and the heroes are like oh we did it like there's no way now that darkness, that this threat darkness can come through to our world and all this stuff. And they're like kind of congratulating and celebrating and everything. And then we cut and oh, I'm sorry. And then we pan over to the shield and it's become the mirror again. And that's when yes. we see darkness's hand start to rise out as he climbs out of the shield, nice. the mirrored shield to have this final confrontation with the heroes. All right. I like it. 
And by yeah, now they insane. have yeah, they have all the boons that have been given to them by the gods. So what are all the boons? We've got the the pool noodles of chaos for Hercules. Yeah. We have uh just like the protective sword staff for Balthazar, Excalibur Merlin staff sword. I I think, I think I was thinking it'd be cool if Valerian had some kind of shield or something. I was just about to say that. I thought the shield would be perfect. Something like an impenetrable shield that, like, emboldens, like, everybody in, like, a five-yard radius or something. Yeah. That that they designate. Right. So that, like, no amount of, like, arrows and oncoming enemies can stop them or make them quaver. It's like a dome of magical protection. Yeah. And that's perfect because if you recall in their movie Dragon Slayer, they use dragon scales, which are really big, as a shield because it protects from the fire breath. Yeah. Was that so Valerian perhaps, or, or Galen? Valerian. Oh. Um they gathered all the scales and forged the shield. Oh, perfect. Exactly. So Valerian is like, hey. I got this started for you, and Hephaestus is like, or perhaps Hephaestus is like, I saw what you did back there. Yeah. I witness all smithing, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, if you don't mind, made a few changes. Nice. Right. So I want to make a quick errata. You guys talked about Merlin, I'm sorry, you guys talked about Balthazar getting the staff, but I actually think that should go to Merrick. Merrick is our hero. Yeah. Balthazar is like our side yeah. character. Balthazar hat right. doesn't need new magic items. He's awash with magical artifacts. But something like that for Merrick, that is like the channel of her power that she's been striving for, something that she can use to amplify her magic to even higher levels, yeah. I think it's perfect. So this staff sword, or it, I guess it's, the staff of Merlin was forged into a sword for Arthur, and then it was reforged into a staff to go back to Merrick. And it's all magic, so it works. Reverse, yeah. Uno reverse card on that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, another thing could be Balthazar's book was stolen that had all this crazy global magical spells in it. And perhaps since Merlin was like this insane arcane caster, the Greek gods don't really know what to expect from darkness having these spells. So Balthazar is kind of staying behind in Olympus to be an advisor to the gods how to deal with what's happening. I like that, yeah. Kind of like the spells are affecting each of the worlds and the gods are like, we don't even know what we're looking at here. And Balthazar is like, let me help. Nice. Right. Yeah, and then he's I like, like I gotta stay here, everybody. You gotta be the ones to end this. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So it's what not... is the mundane... Wait, wait, wait. Oh. We never gave Willow anything. Exactly. Oh, sorry. So what is the seemingly mundane but actually quite useful item given to Willow? It needs to be something much like him, unassuming. And I think everybody's kind of like around him. Whatever this thing is, is like... Why are you giving him nothing practically? But Willow knows precisely how this thing will be useful. But what is that thing? I've got the idea. I've got the concept. But what is 
the actual I think if artifact. you have the concept, you need to bring it home. I, like, you seem to have the vision for it. A vaguely horn-shaped stick. <laughs> Look, a unicorn horn! Oh, yeah. Well, in, in, what is it? Was it seeds or stones in, in Willow? Acorns. It was acorns. acorns that turned okay. things to stone. So in Willow, he's got these acorns, seemingly just mundane items that actually have tremendous magical power to turn your foes into stone. Since he can transmogrify things, maybe it's like a lump of clay that he can turn into anything that they need that's at any perfect. point. Should we, should we restate it so that that's the idea? I feel like I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh! That could be really good, and, like, maybe Valerian or Hercules gets injured, and there's, like, you know, maybe they're gored by Darkness's horns or something, and there's a big hole in their side. Yeah. And Willow uses the clay and kind of presses it to the wound and smooths it over, and it assumes flesh and heals them back up. But we, I don't know. We, no, it's but we, it's got to be something that really emphasizes Willow's cleverness. Like, that was why we cast him as the spirit. He's thinks outside of the box. I he doesn't like... have the usual solutions. Yeah. It could be, uh he could shape the clay into one of the magical items that darkness needs to complete his ritual, right? And when he's running away, he could drop it to the ground. That's it. Luring darkness to it as bait, and then it's a trap and they spring it. That is so, so perfect. Good. We have to see, like, <clears throat> we have to see Willow, like, shaping this kind of crude shape that is similar to this thing and, and just kind of be like, what's what's he doing? I don't really understand, like, why he's not fighting. He's, like, hiding in the background, like, playing with the clay. And everybody else is, like, fighting, getting injured, and it's like a... It, it it's it's a it's a literal battle for their lives and the fate of the the multiverse. And I, he's back there behind cover playing with the clay. I think that what happens is the last artifact. He comes out and says, "I'm going to give it to you finally. Like, stop this, yeah. please. You have to stop hurting my friends. Just take it." And, and like, he's handing it to him. And it, the artifact has to be something from Hercules's world. A golden apple. Yes. Yeah, it's the golden yeah, yeah. apple. Okay, or so the hide of the Nemean lion. No, the golden no, apple. No, the golden is apple. Something that you. So, so Willow yeah, has shaped that. the apple and turned it to gold out of the clay, and he says, "Please, just take it. I went and stole it from the gods, right? Like, because he's you know small and unassuming. So darkness is like, ah, oh, yes, and your your uh, duplicitousness is so delightful to me. Yeah, and he reaches out to touch it, and as darkness grabs the apple the clay begins to like it creep over to him and encase his arm and darkness is giving this great like what is this betrayal <laughs> you cannot defeat darkness and it's like growing over him and encasing him in the stone and then finally i'm a after, part of all of you you are all my children yeah that's like the last thing he chokes out and then he's just this clay statue and then hercules just fucking smashes it with his lightning pool noodle and <laughs> the clay bits shatter and go flying to the uh you know to the four winds i love that i love to think it turns him to ceramic while destroying him just the heat of the lightning is like a fucking kiln <laughs> yes <laughs> and then you know it's great because at the end of the movie we can show those little bits of of darkness 
like gathering as like slowly working their way to each other for the next movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. because nothing can actually overcome the darkness. Yes, I like it. Oh man, this is perfect. I think we got it. Yeah, this all, is amazing. All guys. that's left is to come up with a title for our movie. Oh shit! Well, our tag, our our, our sub subtitle was Masters of the Multiverse. Maybe that was enough. <laughs> Season of the Age of the Dawn of the Dark. <laughs> we have so many dragon ones, or like Season of the Witch, Dragon Dawn of the, of the Season of the Dragon. Can we just call it Season of the Dragon for no reason? I was thinking Darkness Rising, but Ooh. yeah, Darkness Rising and the Masters of the Multiverse. Yeah, Darkness Rising and the Master of the Multiverse. <laughs> I guess it could just be called Masters of the Multiverse colon Darkness Rising. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty I like good. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I was lying when I said that the last thing we need was a title, because the actual last thing we need is a tagline. It's gotta be something about coming together, right? Train together, fly as <laughs> It's something like they saved their worlds. But will they end ours or something like that? <laughs> they protected their worlds, but their biggest threat is each other. With the world brought to darkness, the light comes within. Something like that. <laughs> I like that. As darkness descends, the light rises from within. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. When evil unites... Good must unite even more. <laughs> when darkness threatens, or when evil threatens the multiverse, the good must rise to meet it, or something like that. Good must step up its game. <laughs> when evil threatens us all, good must come together. Heroes must come together. <laughs> must fight as one. When evil threatens us all, Good must fight as one. Yeah. See, and then when you edit it in post, it'll sound like that was totally organic. Yeah. And I'm a, yes. and I'm a fucking genius. Okay, this doesn't work. Yeah, that was good. I like that. All right. Well, I think that just about does it for us here at Swords and Satire. We'd like to thank you all for joining us as we created this epic new movie franchise. If you enjoy what we do here, why don't you go out and tell a friend and then tell that friend to tell one of their friends and then just like keep that chain going until you know we're the biggest podcast in the world nice and you can also check us out on social media uh on instagram twitter or facebook at swords and satire and join the facebook group for swords and satire so that you can talk about the movies we're watching every week and you can hop on over to Patreon, where, if you are willing and able, you can support us. And it really helps us keep the show going. In addition, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. That's right. You'll hear your name. Not live, not on the air, but here. <laughs> Close enough. Plus, you'll get that sweet, sweet bonus content. Yeah. And until next time, keep telling your stories.
yeah, I like the part about the stories. 